Hello and welcome to another podcast episode with your host, Christy Scanlon. This week, I speak to Ryan Beal, who is an expert in sports performance by using data analysis with a key ingredient. And that ingredient is artificial intelligence. And artificial intelligence has been one that I have been really wanting to explore over the last couple of months. It's something that has really insightfully developed some form of uh, knowledge within my practice, especially around how we can be more productive and how we can build greater habits by using it. Some of us are very skeptical in using artificial intelligence to help benefit us. A lot of people have mentioned that it's impacting employability, but I generally do believe that there's a need for it and there will be a method within the future to really utilize these tools to make us better human beings. So I reached out to Ryan and thought, you know what, why not get an expert onto the podcast to get us to really understand some of these concepts and some of these ideas. The conversation is really informal. It really is a fantastic insight in terms of how these tools can be used, especially from a, an elite sport and performance perspective. We also look at psychology as well in terms of other disciplines and how maybe other disciplines might be left alone just because of the human nature of artificial intelligence and how it may lack a little bit of transparency within that. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. This is episode 32. Stay tuned over the next couple of weeks. There is some important announcements to be made in terms of progression. Please enjoy the show. Please don't forget to like, rate, and follow the podcast wherever you are listening to this. Enjoy this episode. Ryan Bill, welcome to the podcast. Hi, oh, Christy. Thanks for having me. My first question is, how did you get into artificial intelligence? How did it become a intrinsic drive for you? So I, I did computer science in my undergraduates um, when I first went to uni, and it sort of covered all bases of programming and data science, cybersecurity, all of these type of things. But uh, could straight away see with, with the data science modules that that was the thing that really interested me and uh, could, could already see the, the links between my passion at computer science and my passion for programming and then also my passion for sports as well um so one of the professors i worked with at the time gopal ramchan he'd him, him and a, a student called tim matthews have written a paper around fantasy football um out of the university of southampton and uh, it just fascinated me they'd uh, built an algorithm that could get in the top one percent of uh, all fpl players back in 2012 and uh, that really yeah it inspired me to go on on the journey that i have done since so, so why is artificial intelligence relevant how has it become a thing that it's that will be so significant within obviously the sporting industry but also as well everyday life how has it become apparent how has it become a tool that we can potentially use yeah so it's it's been around for a while i, I guess there's been from sort of balance insurance research all those years ago but it's in the last six months really there's been as much progress as there has been in the last six years it's uh it's been crazy with things like chat gbt and generative ai i think that's the next frontier of changing the landscape of ai it's uh yeah, gone from analytics and training models and neural networks all the way through to now a tool that is really going to influence everybody, like a Facebook or, or, or a Twitter. I think we're really at the, the precipice now of something that's going to go go massive in the next few years. And so, yeah, it's mind-blowing what they've been able to do there at OpenAI. And uh, yeah, what you've seen in the technology media recently, it's uh, really set up to go massive. 
Is it something that we should be fearful of or is it something that we should maybe embrace? Because there's a lot of fear of using artificial intelligence. A lot of people mentioned jobs could be potentially lost. Personally, from my perspective, I think it's something that could actually help us be more productive and live greater lives. What's your opinion on that? And is there any thoughts on, on that balance between between the both? Yeah, I completely agree. I think jobs will change. I think it will become around how humans can make the best use of the tools that they're given. I think AI is just another tool. It's just another, it's, it's like Microsoft Office was back in, in the 90s on Windows 95. It's just a tool to work and AI and ChatGPT and generative AI is that next, is, is that next step is like using a computer. Every office in 1980 didn't use it, didn't have a computer, but by 1990 everyone did and now everybody's got them in their pockets. And I think that's where generative AI is going. It's going to be a tool that people use at the moment. It's a little bit niche, they're spining their feet still, but I think in 10 years time, every office and everybody will be using these tools to make themselves more efficient and to sort of almost skip out those things that don't need human creativity and don't need human input almost. It's then how humans can use those systems to get the best out of it. And, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that evolves in, in all industries. Obviously, you, we kind of think about maybe digital natives and digital Im immigrants, and you could probably predict that maybe if these tools are not learned, then could people be left behind within this area because of the, the fast-growing nature of it? I'm, I'm intrigued on your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think it's not going to be a case of I think the interfaces are so easy to use. I don't think there's going to be that big a learning curve. I think it is just the case you can ask it questions and then prompt it. I think what will change around it is things like university courses, things like tests. You've already got a system now that can can pass the the bar exam in the US it can pass the LSATs it can it can do this to a really high level so it's going to be more around changing the way humans are taught in the back end to almost in the future be, be better users of these tools so people who are coming into these now and are already computer sort of literate will be able to make use of them quite easily I think quite quickly um, there isn't this huge learning curve it's not an operating system it's this chat based system where you can ask it a question and if it doesn't ask it how you want it you can tell it and it will then it will do its best to, to change that it's going to be really really interesting to see how it how it learns and evolves um over the next few years how do you think it will change in terms of maybe assessment i know we're kind of branching off away from sport a little bit but you mentioned universities do, do, do you feel like there'll be a new mechanism in terms of summative assessments I and mean, even maybe lower education you know you see schools and prime uh, secondary schools and primary schools kind of panicking over this chat gbt and these tools that can now create essays, etc. Have you have you thought about that in terms of how maybe we can assess potentially educational perspectives around this area? I think one of the biggest things is going to be trust. I think the the biggest issue that will come out of this is going to be where does the information come from and how and how trustable is that? Is that information? Is it come from a source that is that is an academic paper that's had years of research, or is it serving information that is just useless? And I think that will be one thing that we will need to as users assess because if the information has come from it's sort of garbage in garbage out style stuff it's if it's not come from the, a good source and it won't be useful to anyone it won't be useful for students it won't be useful for professionals um i think there's going to need to be this whole aspect of tracing back the information and again it comes back to new skills and if you can trace that information back and work out where that's come from that'll be a skill in itself to make sure that what you produce using a a GPT system isn't it isn't just useless nonsense. It's, it might sound good, but it's got that underlying information. It's underlying true information up to date 
um, and all of that's going to be really important. Um, yeah, you've already got like Turnitin and, and systems like that who are already developing to, to sort of spot um, plagiarism from GPT systems. But uh, but yeah, there's also professors in America who are who are challenging their students to write, basically saying use it and then see what you can produce, and it will just be marked to a new standard. But is there a point where the- we're going to get to a situation where there's a lack of authenticity within maybe this area because of the the different tools you mentioned, turn it in, etc. But I always find that there's a there's another method on this. There's if if one detects one area, then someone else is creating something to to become undetectable. I feel like there is always one better within this growing area because of the fast nature of how it's become apparent. Is there a, an element of of within this where we're just going to be there could be potentially a lack of authenticity because of the tools getting so effective and so good. Potentially, but I guess it's going to be really hard to spot if you've got a good user of these GPT systems. And I guess it depends on what you need by authenticity. Is it is is it a journalist using these tools to make themselves more efficient and produce more articles, and but still having that human touch to them? I think you'll be finding that balance between something that becomes inhuman and and sort of not fun to read, not fun to. Yeah. to engage with that content i think it's going to be a case of combining cutting edge information with these tools with a human to produce content that is still got that authenticity but it's more efficient you can do more of it and it's got better content in it as well so in terms of sport then so how does artificial artificial intelligence become a factor within sport is there anything that's kind of happening at the moment in terms of trends etc that that could be used as a tool to benefit sport as a whole yeah so sport lends itself really nicely to data and then data science applications and ai i think you look at things like moneyball and then and that sort of um yeah similar usage of data ai to i guess more data science to identify an undervalued metric where by if you if you sign players who are really good on this they're going to be paid less but they're going to produce more and that's going to be something that can be used i think that's a, a the moment it picks it all off from from a recruitment perspective um but in general sports just the, the nature of the data just lends itself really nicely to these problems you you collect data on players with everything they do in, in the games they play and training um, off the pitch with social media all of these sort of data points that you can collect and you do this week on week over many years and it produces this unique data set where you can look at success objectively and, and it's there's not many other industries that can say that. So you can start to train models that can say, look at all of these features and look at success defined by goals or defined by certain metrics and then be able to use that to learn what can make a good player, what makes a good signing, what makes a good tactic or a good manager. And all of these things are, are just fascinating from, from an AI perspective. So could you give us maybe an example of a KPI that could be used within that method to kind of impact, for example, recruitment? Yeah, so re- recruitment is probably the area that we focus on most. So um, when I did my PhD, it was focused on researching to find new new ways of assessing player performance and new ways of looking at sort of in-game features. And then one of the sort of key focus for me was around teamwork and looking at how players work together in a team unit in a football team and seeing if there's key pairs that you can interact with that. Um, so by doing this, we sort of looked at it and, and said, if you can start to simulate what will happen as you change these variables, then you can produce something that instead of looking at backwards looking data, backwards looking analytics, you create these forward looking um, metrics, forward looking simulations that can 
give people a new insight, start to assess decisions based off of risk and sort of objective decision making rather than just subjective input from scouts. And you can combine these two together to produce new forward looking analytics that they can really break that apart. Um, so that's what we focus on with, with Sentient Sports, my company as well. And we've started to to do this at scale and then really produce these recruitment metrics that can they can add to that decision making workflow. So so what would be different between maybe a normal video analyst or kind of analytical sense in comparison to AI? What what is the difference there? Is there any difference? Is does the tool help more specific metrics or specific specific data? I'm intrigued on if there's a is a parallel or if there is a difference. So for me what sort of current video analysts can do and what, what data analysts at clubs can do is they can look at that backwards data. They can look at what a player's doing at their their current club, in their current league, with their current set of teammates. What AI can allow you to do is start to abstract away from those sort of restraints almost and look at, say you move a player from the Belgium league into the Premier League with a new set of teammates, new languages, all of these type of things. Can you start to simulate what will happen when he makes that step up? What will happen when he's playing with those new teammates? Does he fit the manager's style if he's playing with the new formations and new tactics that he's going to use? Um, so it allows you to sort of add objective measures to that and objective assessments of the probability of success when he's moved into that team. Um, whereas, yeah, the standard video analysts at the moment are looking at a lot more niche added. There's definitely a huge place for that. I and mean, it's but it's around backwards versus forward looking for me and uh, and the speed of decision making as well. I think, I think you kind of put a, a point on it there but in terms of speed decision making is that kind of the key the key element of using these tools just to to bring some form of feedback as soon as possible to make decisions yeah i think you look at sports having another unique aspect that in a transfer window or in a draft or whatever it might be you've got to make quick snappy decisions you can i guess in a football transfer window you can plan for years around this but then that player gets bought by somebody else or someone comes in at the last minute and you you sort of against the deadline you then have to make decision you could be on your third fourth option around you need to sign a new striker and it's you then have to make these quicker decisions where you can't rely on somebody going to watch 24 hours worth of video you need to have these quicker tools to make these decisions and, and inform yourselves rather than just going on gut instinct it can be a combination of the two but yeah you've got to You've got to have that speed which data gives you. If you build things in the right way, it should be a case of saying, right, analyze this player, run the simulations, and within 10 minutes, you've got a, a view on what that player should do in your team. There might be people that are watching or listening to this where they might think, well, actually, human behavior is a key factor within the process of developing people or recruiting players or even maybe not even a sporting sense. It could be other avenues such as business where the psychological factors have to be maybe taken into consideration to improve longevity and improve performance. How does AI adopt to that and and can it? I'm intrigued on how that would work in terms of maybe mindset and performance in terms of using these tools. It's, it's all about getting those feature sets that you can learn from. AI is great when you've got all of this rich amount of data where you can say, right, have a look at these data sets, look at what happened in the past and then be able to use that to predict the future. So if you've got metrics around certain players that have linked well together in the past and this is the type of thing we've tried to do and tried with the teamwork metric that we've come up with is be able to say right these two players have done well in their team in their current team they share this feature set around um this player plays in this fashion this player plays in this fashion they speak the same language they've played together this many times so if you 
put that in player, one of those players into a new team, is there anyone like that player? He currently works well within the new team that he's going to do the same with. Um, but in, in terms of the features, it, I think it's it's tough from a, from a sort of psychology point of view because in football and in sports in general, we don't do the the levels of assessments around psychometrics like they do in other industries. You said about in um, in business, sometimes you do Briggs Myers, all of these type of assessments where you collect that data and look at someone's psychometric profile. But in sports, it's rare that that would be would be taken into account. It does happen, but it's not like that's happening on deadline day in a medical in the moment. It's uh, yeah, it's a really interesting area which I think will evolve a lot. But uh, it's all around collecting the data and the feature set, and then also the ethics around that. It's uh, these are also humans we're talking around. And do you want to have an AI looking into the sort of an AI psychologist doing these assessments? And so there's the whole ethical argument around it as well. There seems to be a fear of that when in reality you could actually bridge the gap in terms of some of the answers we need in terms of yeah. high-end performance and elite performance. What, what are your thoughts on maybe the humanistic nature of AI? And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure the way that it's going, it will become some form of human method to kind of predict behavior or, or analyze behavior. I'm, I'm intrigued on your thoughts because there is a, a generic feel a fear from looking at, at it from the outside in, but in reality, it could be very significant in many ways. Yeah, it comes back to that combination, I think, of human and AI making decisions together. I think if you give humans the right tools to be able to assess the information that's put in front of them, whether it be performance, psychometric, whatever that might be, and the human makes the ultimate decision, I think that's the that's that ultimate combination of saying, right, you combine subjective and objective to make better decisions and make humans look at their decisions almost like an AI would, but with with a lot more reasoning and then human nature behind it as well. I think that combination is really important. But in terms of if you can get this right, you look at, uh, I think you can find good players and there's lots of good players in the world, but not every good player is right for the for a good team or not every player is right for every team. And nobody benefits from a bad transfer. The player doesn't perform other players, not happy the team has wasted money, wasted wages. And then the player may then hinder their own career. So I think if you can get this right, there there would be benefits for the players, for the managers, for the coaches. There's benefits all around. If more decisions are happening, right, it, it sort of strips away some of that boardroom level of decision making and says, right, well, if everyone makes the right decisions and it comes down a bit more to on the pitch, it's uh, it's quite interesting. It's almost like gamifying that whole transfer system. I'm intrigued around the accuracy of of this as as it grows, we kind of become heavily influenced by it and does it create accurate results that impact some form of decision making? I'm sure that there's a probability where there has to be some scope between it being 100% and, and not being that. Yeah, anytime you predict human behaviour, you can't be 100% accurate and I think you've got to look at and then transfers being the example is not every transfer is bought to go and score 10 goals. There's different reasoning around transfers. If you're signing a, a backup left back, what is the success metric reason for that? Is it that when they're there to step up, they fill the void for two games or is it a case that you're buying a player who needs to progress? There's all of these sort of objectives to every transfer that you get that isn't just want this player to come in, fit in straight away and do, do well. So it means that when we look back at the data and you're looking at transfers, defining success is really challenging. So you need to work with the clubs and look through what they're looking to achieve from each transfer to be able to say, 
well, this was this transfer successful or not, looking backwards and then showing them what we'd have said at the time around that player to then be able to build that trust. And because accuracy in certain machine learning and certain AI tasks is really easy to say. You like predicting games, for example, if you're predicting win, lose, draw, you can build a nice accuracy metrics, you can build very objective views on what the the outcome was and if it was correct. But in transfers, there's a whole slide and scale of success and, and we can always look at it as fans and say, Yeah, that, that player was terrible, we didn't fit, that was a bad transfer, but if he filled a void for a season and stepped up when he was needed in games, then great and sold for the same amount they bought him for, then that might have been a success for that team. So it's, it's really hard, I think, to to paint these views. So so what we do when we're working with clubs is give them a view on their last five years worth of decisions. Say, look, if we were to predict this out of time, this is what we'd have said about that player. And it allows them to say, right, actually, they were thinking like us for these ones. They would have helped us avoid these bad decisions, but they actually got this and this wrong. And he's trying to give be very transparent about that message to say, look, we're not we're not solving uh, we're not solving transfers here. There's no money ball for football. It's more of we're giving you a tool to help make a better decision. It's, it's, it's intriguing because I can imagine, for example, elements of culture, language, you know, integrating into a new football team or integrating within society those factors again does ai pick that up i'm intrigued because to some extent whilst you're trying to provide a tool to help bring players in there's always that doubt of that because those elements do lack measurement yeah these are humans that we're talking about again it is it is so hard to predict some of the the variables that you can't collect data on i think if you look at maybe you could do 90% of all of the Jujuins in the world, but then the player moves from from Belgium over to London and their girlfriend breaks up with them, they're miserable, they've not settled in, they don't like their new flat, it's a bit cold. All of these things are so hard to predict. There are these like almost like black swan events of in human nature that it's just going to make them not perform. And you can't predict that. There's always going to be a nature of risk to the transfers and a nature of risk in sport that AI won't pick up on. And that's where a bit of gut instinct has to come in as well. I think, again, it's just giving all the facts to somebody who's making the decision to say, that's all the information from the data. You've got all your information from human scouts as well, all of their reports, all of their views on it. And then you, as a decision maker, have spoken to that player or interviewed them or had a conversation with his agent, got references, and you need to combine all that information to, to say, actually, yeah, maybe he is a little bit, whatever it might be, there might be something in his personal life. Or, or yeah, even can he step up and play at a new level in terms of the psychology aspects, playing in front of more fans, playing for more money, all of these type of things. So you mentioned recruitment. Where else would AI be utilised then? I'm sure match officials are using some form of AI in terms of VAR. Uh, what about selection, coaching, education? Is there anything, I mean, we've kind of touched on psychology just then, but is, it, is there any other disciplines that can, can utilise these tools and would you kind of maybe elaborate on them? Yeah, I think across the asp- across everything, really, I think there's going to be tools that are going to be developed that can help that. So if we go from physios and injuries, there's already plenty of companies out there doing injury data, looking at players' health and statistics, how much they're playing, and then developing models that can predict the likelihood that a player's going to be injured in training or in a game. I think that will be revolutionary to physios being able to provide better care. Um, obviously, you can't predict, again, you can't predict every injury if a player's going to 
slip and snap their ACL, but you can predict things like hamstring injuries. You can predict those ones, those, those niggles that often come up for players um, when they're put under load. Um, you've then got, you've got it from the game tactic scenario. So we've looked at game theory, we've built models that are able to say, if a team is using this formation, these tactics with these players, what's the best formation and tactics you should use? Again, it's informing a coach, giving them things that have worked well in the past against a certain team and sort of using game theoretic techniques to be able to do that both pre-game and in-game when the best time to make substitutions using data to inform these decisions um, especially in a live game and you can look at the sort of data you could serve to a coach during a game about what's going on when they're you haven't got a video analyst who can give you objective data that quickly but an AI can pull out the tracking data it can sort of start to objectify around what's going on in the game um, I think agents and on the finance side will be really useful as well. I think there's the whole business side of sports that can use this data. You look at um, trade receivables in contracts and contracts of players now are, are full of non-obvious things. It's not just we'll pay 10 million pounds for this player. It's now we'll pay 10 million pounds for a player across three years. If he scores 10 goals, we'll pay this. If he scores five, gets by the assists, we'll pay this. But actually being able to add some transparency around those contracts and probabilities around actually that might sound like a 40 million pound transfer, but if you look at the probability of getting 40 million pounds, it's very low. If probability of you getting 10 million is very high and there's some some distribution in, in between, you can use AI to do all of this as well. And then you've got the fan engagement side. I think the way that fans engage with content is going to change massively in the next 10 years. I think you've got a whole new demographic of fans coming through um, and AI is going to help inform that. AI is going to learn the content that people want. It's going to learn how to clip up games that produces the most interesting content to these new fans. I think football's probably a little bit behind almost in how it engages with its fans because it can, it's the biggest sport in the world. It can almost rest on the fact that people are still watching games, people are still buying sponsorships, all of these type of things, but other sports are having to innovate a lot more in these areas. You look at Netflix documentaries now, you look at um, different ways that fans can interact with online content, and I think football is going to have to start doing that soon, and AI will help with all of that as well. We could be in a position where, for example, video analysts could be made redundant to some extent because a software is out there creating tools and, and, and providing data that would not necessarily need a video analyst to, to perform the way that they do now. I, I, I'm just thinking of that of that that method and how that would, would that does that mean that or do we still need people in place? I'm, I'm just trying to get some clarification there. We definitely still need these people in place. I think it'll make their jobs more efficient. I think instead of having to sit and watch 90 minutes, it can clip the game up automatically, give them almost like a search method of saying, actually, we want to look at every time that the strikers have pressed high. Instead of having to watch it and tag it manually, that would already be done for them. So they can go through, find those occasions, produce their report and produce their opinion on that and then feed that back. And that step of feeding it back to decision makers is really important, almost a manager's or a chairman or a director of football's job is going to change where it's going to be bringing together content from data, from scouts, from video analysts who have all been using some form of the tool there to make themselves more efficient but actually be able to present that data back to present, yeah, to present the video analyst data back to that decision maker is going to be really important and how they describe it is again, especially in something as in niches language as football, I, I think it's going to be really important and that trust of who was going to be trusted more if, if an AI writes a report about a player 
based on watching the video or is it going to be something he's watched it and actually been using AI to inform that decision more um, rather than just the AI on the side? You, some people argue that the discipline of psychology is very behind other areas. You mentioned analysis, injury prevention, strengthening and conditioning, etc. In terms of research and knowledge within those areas, it is only taken to the last 15 to 20 years around mental health and well-being within elite sports and elite environments. If this is a tool that's growing significantly today, would you predict that maybe psychology would probably even struggle even more in terms of its underpinning and its nature to support maybe the well-being the well-being of athletes and players just because the human nature of it and the fact that we have a tool that is so powerful to help other areas that they might leave a limitation towards the mental state of a performer i mean i'm intrigued on your thoughts there as a as an expert within ai the psychology is always going to be one of the most challenging areas to implement AI just because of the ethical reasoning behind it and being able to predict human mind state and what's going on with humans or flagging people who are maybe at risk. It was always going to be a challenge behind that because if the AI misses that, and then speaking about mental health more broadly, if you're using that type of system, it can be really challenging. You really have to get that right from an ethical perspective and build that trust. And I think it is certainly not one of my areas of expertise, but it's definitely a going to be a massive ethical challenge like you said these ai systems are going to affect all of our sort of parts of our daily lives but how it affects the mental state of humans is going to be yeah a, a massive challenge that i'm sure there's plenty of people who are focusing research exactly on that area exactly around how it's going to impact and and be able to use for yeah human mental health human psychology um yeah it, it's, it's definitely a, a little bit beyond my sports research that one i think <laughs> Um, in terms of its integration then, so will this become a norm? I mean, I'm intrigued maybe just on maybe the educational perspectives around AI and how we integrate it, it within, you mentioned coaches and analysts and people can use this as a tool. Um, how do we know, would it become normalized to some extent? Is there a prediction on when this will just be a normal factor within sport and how it predicts certain outcomes to help performance? I mean, I mean I'm, I'm intrigued on how we develop knowledge within this area, I presume your business is um set up for that so i'm just yeah. just how what were your thoughts on that and in, in terms of how in, uh, sorry in terms of its integration yeah so i think if you look at the shift in data and sports over the last 20 years everything's been focused around collection of more data there's there's companies out there collecting data on sort of everything players do now from in-game you've got event data which is all of the actions that happen on the pitch you've got tracking data which is their movement across the game Sort of 60 times a second across the pitch which is really cool as well you've got social media trailing data all of this collection of data but actually for me there's still work to be done on the actionable insights that can be gained from this you can have all the data in the world but if you don't if you can't read that data properly and abstract away from it then it's not as useful as as people might take out so i think data has been normalized now in clubs and i think some better lovers are using it depending on what they're trying to achieve from it we look at clubs like brentford and brighton who have been well known in the last sort of recent years using this data to make their transfer decisions and and inform a lot of what they do with their clubs but that doesn't mean they're not everybody else in the premier league is using the same data sets it's just about how they can abstract away from it and use those data to inform it so i think that'll be the next shift and that's where sentient is sat in the moment to help these clubs make better use of the data whether it is through recruitment or whether it is through fan engagement or whether it is through 
injuries or tactics or whatever that ends up being. But uh, yeah, I think that's where there's going to sort of yeah be the next set of tools that come into coaches' everyday life is abstracting from really cool data to really cool applications that it's going to be different for everyone. Can we overanalyze? Potentially, yeah. I think especially at quick decision making, I think it's, it's going to be yeah, a case of, I guess, giving all the information there. I think you can overthink things. You can give somebody all the information, but the people who are going to be the next level of decision makers are going to be the ones who know how to get the most out of this, this information that they're served. So overanalyzing comes from the fact that they're given too much information, but again, it comes from the fact that it means that middle step is not feeding information correctly. It's looking at the data, it's looking at the human and it's giving them too much to, that they can overanalyze. So it's trying to summarize it in a way using data and using, sorry, using AI from the data to be able to almost summarize it in a way that they can understand it and not overanalyze it. Um, and then if they don't agree with it, be able to almost in their own head say why they don't agree with it and be sort of headstrong enough to say, actually, no. On this occasion, I agree with the human opinion from the scout more than I do the AI, or vice versa. It's going to be picking and choosing when you trust your gut for the AI or the scouting and looking at the uh, the success metrics around them and saying, well, actually, if my AI is right 80% of the time, but actually my scout's right 60% of the time, which one am I going to going to take? But again, it comes back to looking at <laughs> looking at how you define success in that in that metric. Yeah. yeah. Again, speaking to to coaches and athletes within elite sport, a lot of them mention that. Sometimes it can can become a little bit too overwhelming when they're overloaded with information. And I know a lot of coaches go into meetings and try and make it short and snappy and to the point so it's just easy to absorb and then apply that within maybe a match day routine or a training session. Is there anything on that in terms of maybe tools on how to to kind of dilute maybe some of the factors that you find or to kind of simplify some of these elements to help predict or help outcomes within performance? Yeah, and I think once you've got the trust and because you can oversimplify things as well. So if you're building a metric with AI and you start putting things on naught to hundreds and you suddenly say to a coach, well, you should, or a decision maker, you should buy this player or pick this player because their attacking rating is 70 out of 100. They'd be like, great, but why? <laughs> it's, that, it's that whole level of explainability and trust that comes from it. So once they trust the model and trust where that data has come from and can dig deeper into that, then it can help simplify it, but you've got to build the trust first. So for us, we do this by saying, well, if we're saying we think these two players will work well together, you can dig deeper into that and say these players will work together because, and it's because of, yeah, they've played together before, that they complement each other because one's great at crosses and one's great at headers, and these are complementary features in our, in our data space. I think it's trying to build trust with a decision maker so that then you can simplify it because once they trust the models then they can trust a more simple version of them but if you start with a simple version of it they're not they're never going to trust that to a level they're going to be so uh yeah almost pick that apart and if your model can't stand up to that being picked apart it's just never going to be used um so it's for us you can't feed these black box models to end users got to be these white white box that they can dig into really dive into the details dive into where that information has come from trust a model and then they simplify it from there so it's layering for us you give them a simple layer then you give them a deeper layer if they want to dig further so it's almost like the user can choose how much detail they want so if they do just want that snappy yes buy this player because or yes pick this player before because or you need to rest 
it can be you need to rest for one game or it could be you need to rest for one game because if you don't this is all of the information that we've got that underlies it and so, so it's, it's allowing users to pick and choose how much explainability and how much information that they want so you can uh, have the best of both worlds really how does one educate themselves on using these tools so people might be listening or watching this and think um, okay i want to maybe integrate this or see this as a as a future uh concept how do you how do we learn how do we educate ourselves on ai and how do we you mentioned models and different concepts etc how do we learn to build certain things that could benefit maybe amateur football clubs or maybe clubs at elite level that might not have the resources you know i speak to some people you know in terms of video analysis and they they lack resources especially at you know elite level and it's um it's interesting to hear how it's modified so significantly in terms of what you've been talking about that there might be even a bigger deficit in terms of our understanding of elite performance at the top how, how do we how do we how do we filter that down to to kind of make it a transparent perspective where people can educate and, and utilize yeah i think it comes from the top down really i think data is a good good example of that at the earliest stage where to buy data to start with it was really expensive only the top clubs would afford it they were buying it or collecting their own or whatever that might be and that's now filtered down to even clubs yeah in semi-professional world collecting data and buying data um and i think ai is going to be the exact same it's going to start at the top there's going to be yeah you look at liverpool using particle physicists to make decisions through to man city hiring harvard ai professors that that's the sort of top and there's going to be that trickle down effect through the leagues and through performance where then you've got companies like sentient that can come in and produce tools that can be used at different levels of the game so we work with clubs in league one in scotland as well as clubs in the premier league and top agents but each one has a different requirement but we can sort of almost then look at the models we've got in the back end and provide them with the tools that they need um whether it be something as simple as just calculating gbe points or if they do want something more more involved that gives them decision making metrics that they can use to inform their own decisions um so it's really trying to have this suite of analytics and this engine in the back end that can produce different tools for different client needs and then as clients become more proficient in this technology then they'll be able to sort of up their up their level of usage of different tools that we have in the back end so do you think there'll be a point where the coach or the leader of maybe a football club or a team kind of put this into perspective of the manager where they are heavily reliant on ai or will it become will there be a balance between human performance and they are i'm just intrigued on where this might go in the future because if ai is so significant and is creating um plans for when people need to rest or what team selection should look like or what formation should be played there's got to be a point where that coach is just reliant on using a program but where's there a balance between the both in terms of making decisions and how that would be proceeded in the future i'm just intrigued on how that would work so but it's from a game theory perspective if everybody had access to the same tools and everyone was given the same information about when to rest players what team to pick that yeah. optimizes a lot of it would cancel each other out almost but so yeah. it's all about how different combination of these tools will be used by a human that will then give you that edge um because i don't see a world where everybody is using an ai manager which makes all of the decisions it would become quite a boring game i think if everyone was doing that um because it would be all about finding those smaller edges but it's going to be about finding tools that complement the human decision maker who's using it and maybe the case that one 
coach is very good at making players better on the training ground, but actually on match day struggles to process all of the information to be able to make a sub at certain times or track the the fatigue of a player. And then they may use AI to identify these in-game, where it might be the case that, that it's the other way around. They're great at making gut decisions in the game, but actually they struggle in training to work out when a player needs to be rested. And then it can be used for that as well. And it's the combination of not just an individual, but a whole team of individuals and how they make use of these tools. It's yeah, it's going to be that combination. It'd be, I'd say we're, we're 10 years off of being able to have a, an AI that could run a football team, but I don't think anyone wants to see that. That's not like sport is at its essence, always going to be storytelling or always going to be humans performing at the very highest level. And like, you're not going to want to see an AI manager running a football team, but all of the components of that AI manager with a human is going to be what's going to be really exciting from my point of view. Um, you mentioned fan engagement as well. Um, do you think, do you ever think maybe potentially that the laws of the, the game could change significantly? I know, again, doing some research a few years back on VAR, they talked about um, the ball in play and there's a limitation towards that. I think the average in Europe was 55 minutes when the ball was in play and there was something um, there has been emphasised. You can tell in the World Cup with the added time as well. There's emphasis, emphasis on more playing time. Do you think anything along maybe utilising artificial intelligence will help impact the rules of the game, officiating of the game, and, and something to make it a little bit more entertaining? Because you mentioned fandom is changing, the way we interact is changing, um, digital technology is changing. Is is there any parallels between them? It's a tough one, isn't it? Like you look at golf at the moment with. The, the new rule they're trying to bring in to limit the amount their professionals ball will go to try and make it more about dual game rather than just players driving the ball further and further but then you've got the argument that that takes the game further away from the average person on the street and again in, in football you want to be able to go down the path and be able to put down two jumpers and, and play football like they do in the Premier League the further you get away from that the further you build this divide between the elite level and the amateur level and I think trying to keep them as close together as possible is great but you are also keeping the entertainment up so in, in football if you can make better decisions as a, as a referee where you've suddenly got all this equipment there is that the right decision and I think it's it's again really challenging but I think ultimately people do want to see better decisions being made and being made quicker for me there should be there's got to be a quicker way to do these things than what VAR is currently doing I think this the the length to whether you get the decision wrong or right it shouldn't take four or five minutes it should be a bit more gut driven so there's object they're definitely broken down to the objective and subjective again for, for decision making but uh but yeah i think offsides will be the next one to be automated but i don't think we're far off that technology to be able to do it and then it just needs to be validate it'll take a few years to validate obviously that's that's one um but other than that it's it's tough to see where we're not going to come into auto automatic foul detection or anything like that. I think that's that goes one step further beyond what you can do with a camera. I think, yeah, if you can see it, great. But if it's uh, all of this new technology to, like we said, make golf balls not go as far, or if you've got shin pads that can detect fouls, then for me, that's one step too, beyond, too far beyond the uh, the man on the street and people playing down the park or at your local golf course or wherever it might be. Interesting. So final question, Ryan. What I normally tend to do is I get my guests to either look back or look forward. And I think because of the nature of what we've looked at today, it's very significant to maybe look forward. So in terms of maybe developing the, the game 20, 30, 40 years, where do you think this will go with 
AI and how do you think, we're kind of split up into two areas. How do you think society will be and how do you think sport will be within this area? And I mean, I'm kind of just really interested in how you think this will play out in the future and how it will impact just human beings in general. What are your predictions and, and what do you think uh, the consequences will be? Yeah, I think like we said at the start, I think this this sort of explosion in generative AI over the last six months is going to be it's going to change society and it's going to change job roles. I, I think it's going to provide a new interface to content. I think it's almost like if you look at the what happened with the internet when it first started, it gave people a new interface to be able to communicate differently and gave people a new interface to be able to shop differently, interact differently, buy differently, whatever. Now I think this is the next step of that. I think Jaren Today is a new interface to information where instead of browsing the internet to find out whatever it might be, if it's Harry Kane's age or um, what happened on sort of in the local news yesterday, I think you can just ask a question to something to provide exactly the information you want for the the individual, then that's going to be game-changing. I think content is going to become more personalized, more unique to individuals. Everyone, instead of we all go on BBC News or BBC Sport and see the same articles, it's going to be a case of we can the system will learn what we want to see as individuals and we can ask what we want to see as individuals is going to be that personalized unique sticky content that that isn't out there in the moment because ai can generate it using human content to make it really personalized to that person so for me it's that interface to data and that interface to unique personalized content that will change society as we know it um well not society but more more like in the sort of computing power as we know it um in terms of sport, definitely be affected by it. Like I said, I think there's going to be new tools in all of these areas. I think from the finances to the agents to the, to the decision makers all the way through to the coaches, injuries, it's going to play a part in all of theirs. I think the really successful coaches, the really successful managers, chairman, whatever it might be, are going to be the ones that utilize that data to make their own human subjective information better. I think that combination of the two is going to be where the power lies. So it's the best people in 10 years are going to be and to be fair this goes across all industries going to be the ones that utilize these tools the best and utilize them to make themselves better um, to make their creativity better to make their gut feeling better and to make the way they look at their decision making better for me that's a that that's where this will, will take us in, into that new level where it level it sort of takes everyone to the same level so that you need to a little bit more to push people on that that bit further interesting stuff ryan Ryan, I just want to thank you for your for your time. Um, where can listeners find you? And you mentioned your company. Do you want to maybe give a bit of an insight on 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 that? Yes. Yeah, so, so so I did my PhD back in sort of finished that in twenty twenty one, and off the back of that, we set up Sentient Sports, which is an AI sports tech company that is using AI across all of the areas that we sort of covered today. Um, so we've done lots in recruitment, and we've done um, lots of game theory papers as well to help clubs and agents make better decisions. But uh, yeah, we're also now moving into the fan engagement space and producing, using this generative AI technology to interface with all of our cutting edge AI models in the back end to produce better content. So yeah, we're, we're on sentinsports.com. We've done some work with the Athletic around a few articles. So you can, there was an article recently about Jude Bellingham that you can link to as well. So uh, yeah, there's all, there's all types of things you can, you can look at and I'm on Twitter as well. So uh, yeah, great, great speaking to you and thanks for having me.
As a Birmingham fan, I'll check that out. I'll check that article oh, yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the links in the description as well um, for, for those listening. Uh, Ryan, thank you for your time and good luck. Thank you. Cheers, Christy.